Ott van még Nikolic. Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben! Gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo, Loik! Bravo, Lolikám! Lajos! Szép gól volt! Sallai! Azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte Nikolic bent középült könyves. Szoboszlai! Könyves szép helyet csinált neki! Szoboszlai lő! Gól! Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Hungarian Football Podcast and uh, joining us this week is a special guest. We've got Kevin McCluskey who's a regular on uh, Celtic podcasts such as A Celtic State of Mind. Uh, also runs the fantastic Hungry MB2 Twitter account which covers the Hungarian second division. So he knows his stuff and he's the perfect guy to uh, to be here this week with Fradi playing in Celtic um for for this week's Europa League matchup, um, Kev, welcome to the show. Cheers, Gabby. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure, sir. It's a pleasure. And also, now, Tom, where do I start with Tom? Now, Guardian, Joe, it, it, this guy's just everywhere now. He's literally the James Corden of Hungarian football. It's Thomas Morton, my ladies and gentlemen, as always. Hello, and I welcome the abuse that will follow after this podcast, seeing as it's following me everywhere else at the moment. Uh, we'll try and keep this one pretty much under the radar, Tom, if we can, because like you say, it's just been a torrent of abuse for Hungarian football, which is slowly, slowly going away as we're a bit of an afterthought now um, until we draw England in the uh, Nations League, of course. Um, gents, let's start with Hungary's um, two completely different performances um, in, in a space of a few days. Um, first up, it was Albania who were the visitors to Budapest. Um, obviously, the game was played behind closed doors. Um, did that affect the team? I'm not sure. Tom, what do you think? Why was it so, so bad? Yeah, I've almost kind of forgotten about that game because of how bad it was. But I think, on, on uh, to be realistic for a second, I think it's just two even teams. Um, and we just happened to to uh, to end up on the on the bad on the worst side of it. I mean, I don't think you could begrudge Albania getting the win that game. I don't think you could begrudge them getting the win in the home game in their home game as well in the in the first time we played them. Um, I just think, yeah, when we we've been up against them twice in a row and we've not looked like the better side. I know we have performed poorly and we we expect to play better against a team like. Albania, but I think Benzer was right when we were talking about this in the preview that maybe maybe we just underestimate them a little bit and maybe they are a lot better than we um, we give them credit for. Um, but like you say, it was still very bad. Like I think we really really do struggle when when a team basically does to us what we like to do to the bigger sides and sit back and counter attack. Uh, we look very open when when we are being countered. Um, our midfield are just not good enough at shuttling into the spaces to, to close down those transitions. And when we have the ball, we just don't have any, we just don't look like we're ever going to really take the game to, to another and, and, and like incisely cut through um, the opposition. And it was really frustrating because we've we have a lot of talented footballers in that side. We Adam Nodge, Loic Nega, who played awesome against England, Soboslai, Roland Shalai, Daniel Shaloi, who was who's been awesome at SKC, and they all I mean, I can't think of anyone who played well in that game at all. Um they just kind of just look like players just uh, like almost like when you kind of just throw a dice playing Yahtzee and, and see what comes up and and we were rolling ones all game, like just like we were in the, in the in the away tie against Albania. It's just, I, what, however good Rossi is against the bad teams, he's equally 
uh, sorry, against the good teams. He's equally as bad against the uh, against the poorer teams, the, the weaker teams in, in Europe. Because, I mean, we've seen it this time and time again. We just can't take a game to it, to the opposition. Um, if someone takes the game to us, we're fantastic. But if we've got a bit on the front foot, we just can't do it. And and, and it's really quite a worry, to be honest. And um, we, we're kind of just lucky that that England game happened because it makes everyone forget about the Albania game. Because like I say, I kind of for, forgot about it, put it to the back of my mind. But now we think about it again. It was a yeah, thoroughly depressing night. Mm, and to be fair, it was an absolute worldie of a goal. Um, all right, you can look at the defending, and you know Salah got turned inside out by this guy, but he was trending on Twitter at one point um, throughout the world for scoring that goal because he he was just it was absolutely incredible. Um, and like Benzer said, he, he he was right. You know they've got a lot of Premier League talent in that in that. Um, squad as well and yeah we, we are like you say guilty of underestimating them for sure um kev looking at when we when we previewed these games we, we looked at the squad that we picked and especially up front we were sort of in awe at the attacking options that, that we have um rossi intimated uh, like recently after the england performance that reflecting on that albania game that you know is one where we should have gone more attacking and you know etc what would have been your ideal front three against um, against Albania? Um, I think probably the three that he's gone with is is the three that that was the best front three that were available for the game. Shalai, Suboslai playing you know, behind him and um, Shalai up front. I think that was uh, that's the best three that were available for the game. Uh, on paper, I think it was a it was a good front three. They just didn't click. It just didn't happen for them. Um, I've been I've been really impressed by Shaloy, and I hope I've got the pronunciation correct. He's been on fire for Kansas City out there in the US, but he seems to have struggled a bit at international level. And I think that's a kind of a common theme or a common occurrence at the moment with some of the players. They're doing really well domestically or yeah, in the, the domestic games, but when it comes to international level, they're just not quite quite able to raise the game. And I think as Tom said as well, Hungary's setup is perfect for playing against the big teams, but when they become the big team or the, the team that has to take the game to the opposition, they struggle. Um, and I think that, that was probably the, the biggest issue against Albania. Mm, very right as well. Um, Let's sweep Albania under the carpet, basically, lads. I think, you know, we've had two bad results against them. Uh, next up was England at Wembley. Um, I think we all had it down as an absolute spanking. 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. You could have picked any number and, and you know, we were all expecting that to happen. Um Tom, you and I were lucky enough to, to be there. It was an absolutely incredible day. Um, what a difference, Tom. Looking back on it, England that bad or Hungary so good? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Nick, because I was talking to my, I was talking to my parents about this the other day, uh, other day and they were watching on, on TV, on, on English TV back at home. And they were saying, uh, I think the presenter, Mark Pugach, kept saying over and over again, England have been really poor tonight, England have been really poor tonight. But apparently the, the pundits on ITV were saying kind of the opposite. They were saying... Yeah, Hungary and uh, England have been a bit up below par, but I think they were giving a lot of credit to to Hungary, uh, and that was Roy Keane, Enya Luko, and the other one uh, escapes me. But um, they, yeah, they were giving a lot of credit to Hungary, and I think I think it was right. I think it was a bit of both. Like I think we we probably caught England on a bad day. I imagine they probably expected to roll over Hungary just like they rolled over them at the Pushkas Arena, and and they just yeah collapse in maybe in the second half when they got a little bit tired but it, it was it was the opposite and i remember even saying on twitter with about 10 minutes to go like this game could go either way because we had a we didn't have any big huge chances you couldn't say oh oh we should have put that one away or should have put that one away whereas england probably did have a couple like that harry kane spurned one miles wide and raheem sterling had a one-on-one which he should have done better with but 
they were very uh, few and far between the big chances for England and England against England you're going to have to ride your luck a couple of times against big nations like that to, to come away with a result especially at Wembley but I thought Hungary were awesome like to a man they were fantastic Lloyd Nago the standout for me he was just absolutely I mean I kept saying to you and we kept saying to each other that like just look at him like he was playing almost like a right winger when we had the ball and then as soon as we lost it he was back on Grealish and I played against someone like Grealish who there's there's not many players in world football and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic by saying this there's not many players in world football who are better at beating a man than Jack Grealish maybe he doesn't have a tactical discipline and his final ball isn't always there Jack Grealish but like genuinely in world football there aren't many better players taking on a man you're thinking Mbappe you're thinking Lionel Messi levels of player who who are above him because he's just he just drifts past players so easily and that's in the Premier League and he didn't he did it what less than two or three times past Lloyd Nago and I think that's probably being a bit harsh on Lloyd Nago maybe he didn't even do it that many times he was just immense on that right hand side but like I say everyone played well I think um, like again you maybe want a bit more from Sobosai going forward but like he did his defensive duties and he worked hard and, and, and he did play nice passes and uh, I thought Andros Schaefer was probably one of the standouts as well for Fonger. I thought he was immense. Adam Nodge was such a crucial player to have back in that game who missed the game in, in Hungary. He was a huge loss in that game. And, and today um, and on Tuesday night, he just stepped up and bossed it and was the beast we we know him to be. Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing, amazing performance, amazing night um, with, a, with a back five. You kind of see that back five on paper. Zoltnarge, Attila Zala, who's obviously awesome. Adam Long, who has been derided by Hungarian fans for ages. Akos Kecskes, who hasn't really played that well for Hungary in the past. Um, and then Loic Nago. And that, just on paper, that back five is made me very concerned before the game. But to, to marshal Jack Grealish, Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling like that, like they did. And big, big ups to Schaefer and Nodge helping out as well. Like, yeah, just immense, immense performance. Um, yeah, and it's the first time that England, have been, uh, Hungary, have been able to get anything from from England since 1953 when we uh, we beat them six three. I haven't heard much about that six three game, Tom. We must sit down and talk about that one day. You must tell me all about it. Um, uh, I think there's a couple of, I think Pushkash, someone, I think a name something like that was playing or some, I don't know, some Push. I think it's Pushkash. A strange name, very strange name. Sounds like the sort of guy I'd have a great goal competition named after him or something like that. But yeah, I'll look out for him, Tom, for sure. Um, Nico, interesting point with Nico that, that despite marshalling um, Grealish so well, like you said, he was everywhere as well. So not only did he have one eye on Grealish, the next minute he's on the line. The next, just an absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that I think Nigo's performance against England ranks in probably top three of Hungarian player performances in any game over the last ten years for me, um, w- without a shadow of doubt. It, it was just absolutely incredible. And like you say, that defence was laughable before the game. And when when we we were going in, Tom, and I was reading out the lineup, we all kind of sat and thought, oh my goodness what is going on here we're, we're really really in for it but it's a real sort of coming of age for for everyone um i just just couldn't have been better um yeah and don't forget Lloyd nago actually won us the penalty as well so like yeah even even to kind of get us the the, the goal and, and everything yeah it was just immense yeah and so um Kev, from what you saw of the game, obviously we know that you've got um, uh, your accent kind of gives it away a bit. That you was obviously watching the Scotland game um, with, with one eye firmly on Hungary, of course. Um, what, what did you make of them, Kev? Um, let's say we're all we're all expecting this hiding to nothing, and and, and out they pop. Um, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, probably mirroring Tom's quite a lot. Um, so when you looked at the team sheets before the game and the you know the attacking players that England were putting out there, I'm looking at the team again just now. You've got Phil Foden in there, who's one of the top players in the Premiership at the moment. You've got Mason Mount, who's performing week in, week out for Chelsea. Sterling, Kane, Grealish. That's a front five that would put the fear into almost any defence and 
Europe, European world football at the moment. And what was it, 4 nothing at the Pushkash just a few weeks beforehand? So, yeah, kind of thinking that this is this is going to be a, kind of just a rerun of that. England would run amok. But Hungary were excellent. Every single one of them, every time I was flicking back between the games, it was just, it was all action. Every every one of them seemed to be covering the ground. They were closing the English players down. Weren't giving them any time or space in the ball. When England did get the chances, they didn't take them. And that was kind of the rub of the green that Hungary deserved, I thought, from what I could see from the performances that they were putting in. Nago was everywhere, as you both mentioned. He was just all action. Attacking one minute, winning the penalty, clearing it off the line the next minute at the other end. He was superb. So um yeah, it was it was it was like uh, going back to the Euros again and that kind of performance where it's nothing's expected of Hungary and that's when they're at their best, I think. It's and it's similar to the other game I was watching of Scotland. Scotland struggle when they're supposed to be the, the favourites for a game, as do Hungary. But when the backs are against the wall, they, they actually they rise to it massively um, and totally deserve the point. Mm, absolutely. It's interesting. On on my journey home from Wembley, I listened to uh, to Talk Sport and it was Jason Candy and Darren Ambrose who were nothing but complimentary towards Hungary. And this was to a backdrop of England fans ringing up one after the other after the other, saying that Gareth Southgate had to be sacked after that performance. It was just just fantastic to listen to. It's like music to my ears, and it made the whole journey absolutely fly through seamlessly. Um, Tom, now unfortunately, it's raised its head again. The issues with our fans. Um, although, let me say that all reports that I have seen um, from various outlets. I was just reading one today, actually, from uh zoli kirai who's a um an editor of, of a, a website slovakian based website um that covers in hungarian language the editor was in the away end and did his minute by minute of of what was going on and and he pointed out that out of the 800 odd sold about half of them were sold to to polish fans who obviously because of the brotherhood with with hungary wanted to come along and wanted to um with their Hungarian friends and obviously cause trouble. Um, now, what seemed to spark it off was a one of the Polish guys, uh, an elderly gentleman, uh, allegedly made a racist comment to one of the stewards. Um, he was then, you know, rightly so, removed from the stand, uh, which the other Polish guys there um, didn't take kindly to that and decided to pile in. And we all saw what, what happened in the aftermath. Um, clearly photos, close-up photos back it up um, that they were Polish hooligans that were that were largely responsible responsible for this. There was no doubt Hungarians that lumped in a, a, again. Um, but Tom, we didn't hear, uh, the Hungarians didn't boo the national anthem um, and w- there was the anti-knee um, banner that we saw. Um, but we got absolutely dogs abuse in the press the next day. Hungarian thugs, Hungarian races, everyone kind of like, and it, it became apparent quite early through social media that about the Polish involvement, but everyone seemed to kind of look over that, Tom, and just, um, you know, go with the narrative that that had gone from uh, from, from Budapest to, to London. Yeah, I was on Five Live the next day, and they basically asked me that question like straight away like why are the Carpathian Brigade so bad blah 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 and I basically said straight away I was like this is this isn't wasn't even the Carpathian Brigade this wasn't they didn't even travel to this game like maybe like a few hangers-on might have gone to this game but um yeah this wasn't them that this was mostly called caused by Polish hooligans and when I said that, they were kind of taken aback and they didn't really know what to say next because they'd obviously planned mm. their whole kind of spiel about um, going to be about, um, yeah, the Carpathian Brigade. But I think it does, I think, I, I know, like, directly, it probably wasn't the, the Hungarians, like you say, who were involved, maybe at all. I'm sure, like you say, there's probably a few that were, and this was mostly Polish. But I think it goes more to the fact that this kind of goes wide to a more indirect and why the problem, I think, with with Hungarian fandom at the moment is because 
the reason why those Polish fans are there are that not strictly, but they're kind of there to back up their Hungarian fans. They're but they're they're in a way to be there for fighting. They're there for muscle, and I think it kind of is yeah, like I say, a wide problem that Hungarian away fandom has become this thing. It's kind of become like a a macho muscle thing where they are going to, to a, a certain percentage of them are going to cause trouble and like it, Polish fans haven't been going to Hungarian games for the past 30 years it's very it's actually quite a recent thing that this brotherhood has obviously the brotherhood goes back to centuries and centuries but it's very much becoming more and more of a thing as the years go by as the governments become closer and the ultra groups become closer and I think it just comes to a wider problem that po- these Polish fans are even bothering going to this game because they they want a little bit of a scrap. They they want they're kind of there for that. And yeah, sure that maybe they feel that they were provoked by the police uh, to to cause this ruckus and to cause this huge problem. Um, but I think they're probably looking for any excuse. And I, I think this is kind of the, what the problem has become of of Hungarian fandom because 10 maybe maybe yeah I mean the last time Hungary played at, at, at Wembley like there wasn't this kind of away crowd at all and you go to a lot of away games and there isn't this there wasn't this kind of antipathy and aggressiveness at a lot of Hungarian away games down the years but it's getting worse and worse um and like like we say, it's not the car path from go there, nothing to do with it this time. But I think there's a lot of people out there who go to games now who are kind of wanting to uh, to pretend like they're part of the car path game, to pretend to be macho, to pretend to be this muscle, to to get involved in scraps where they can because they that is unfortunately what it what an away fan is kind of becoming. Whereas it, it hasn't always been the way down the years. Like we, we like. It's, it's, it's important to remember that like a lot of away games used to just be fun little jaunts from games obviously there'd be a f- the the the, uh, the 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 big chanting and the co- coordinated chanting and all that kind of thing but i go back to some of the away games i've been to holland estonia um bucharest was obviously a little bit different um northern ireland wales like the, there's loads down the years that I've been to and there was never this kind of aggressiveness and whereas I feel it's becoming more and more of a thing and I guess because it was England as well like there is kind of this oh this kind of perception of England fans which goes back decades and which is well out of date almost these days that these guys are only there for a fight and there is a certain percentage of England fans that do are exactly the same in away games you saw them what it was like in Amsterdam a few years ago, absolute chaos they caused. And England fans that obviously know uh, that no innocent party themselves. But yeah, I think I think it has become a wider problem away from the cop after again that the people are just wanting to to become a nuisance almost. Yeah, I mean, I remember going back many many years that we used to sort of be, be tweeting pictures that would be coming in from uh, different countries like. Uh, Austria and places where you know Friday fans have got got uh, big connections and things like that, and their banners used to appear in with them and everything like that. But it didn't seem to have the backdrop of trouble of uh, you know with it, um, like you say, which comes comes along nowadays. It's almost sort of Millwall-esque, isn't it? Where you know they're thriving on the reputation at the moment, and and that's going to get ultras from other countries like you say hanging on to it because they're they're the current you know like russia was the big thing wasn't it for for the euros and the trouble that 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 went on there which has now kind of like pretty much gone away from from their um uh you know they're out the limelight and we just seem to be that current team in that spot at the minute um kev and you saw it sorry we saw it in slovakia as well i don't know if if you guys saw that yesterday it all kicked yeah, off between yeah, Spartak Ternava and Slovan Bratislava fans and and that was mostly caused by Austria Vienna uh, some Polish fans and and people just going to the game to be part of this coordinated violence and it's 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 100% not exclusive to Hungary it's just the spotlights on Hungary at the moment because they're, they're the ones 
who were doing it on the main stage. But yeah, that, that Slovakian thing yesterday, which caused an absolute chaos, is, is this is this is European wide. Don't let's not get it wrong. I know, and you know those that think football hooliganism had gone away, even from English grounds and that, are very much deluded because you'll find you'll find an incident at every single ground up and down the country, every single you know game game that goes on. Um, Kev, you're regular um, at games in Hungary, albeit second division level. Uh, I know you, you you get to go to to first division games as well. Have you have you found the atmosphere? Um, changing as a backdrop to, to what the national team hooligans have been up to? Um, yeah, so most of the games that I go to, actually, it tends to be, it's Vashash in the second division. Um, and I've started to do quite a bit of ground hopping around the, the, the grounds of Budapest. So I've been to quite a few of the third division grounds. So at those grounds, it's very, it's low attendance. Um, people are just there to watch the game and there's no really not really any hassle or any troubles um, but yeah when, when you get to the first division games NB1 games the, I've generally found that the atmosphere has been it's been fine, it's been friendly I have an ignorance of not fully understanding the language um, so I know I know the naughty words, I know when the bad songs are being sung but I can kind of zone them out a little bit but I've always found uh, it's always been welcoming at any ground I've ever been to uh, and the atmosphere's been been pretty safe so I haven't in all honesty seen a rise in any sort of um, unwanted behaviour at, at the games but that being said I think when you go to the bigger grounds and probably Ferenc Varos being the one uh, you do see more of the flags and more of the banners there, um, with sort of the the right wing slogans on them that we don't we don't want to be seeing at football, but uh, they're, they're slowly creeping back in, probably more at the at that that side of things. But um, as I say, on the whole, I actually find going to the football here a very enjoyable experience, and and I I haven't ever felt uncomfortable at a game in Hungary. That's encouraging to hear, Kev. Um, you know that that experience is is, is probably a little bit different to what what Tom and I have seen um you know over over the years uh, at Honved at Fradi uh, you know you you'd hope times are changing and you know that that they will move forward but you just can't help but wonder that the fact that the national team the Carpathian brigade and guys are, are, are in the limelight that you'll get the um you'll get the guys at club level that will want to replicate that and give Hungary this fearful name throughout Europe kind of thing. But Yeah, I, I do I do think there is that element probably creeping back in a little bit more, if I'm being totally honest with you. And, um, and, and Tom's probably hit the nail on the head that a lot of it, I think, is it's a bit of a kind of peacocking and fronting a little bit. Uh, they want to be seen to be the hard men. Whether they actually are or not is a different thing, but... Um, as I say, yeah, you, you can see there's, there's a, a small increase in sort of the the right wing chanting or the right wing banners at games, but still, as I say, on the whole, it's it's um it's an enjoyable place to watch football. Yeah, yeah and I think it's important to like point out that it's it, it's only a few certain clubs who are the kind of the 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 bad baddies here, I guess. Like. It's, it's a, a very small percentage of like Ferenc Varos fans and they've done a very good job at um, kicking most of their racist, well, maybe they haven't kicked the racists out, but the racists have been a lot quieter than they used to be. Um, we pest have, have, have been very bad over the last four years. Like there was a there was one in, in 2017 where um, 250 separate uh, chants were, were sang at a single game. Uh, from all your past ZTE not been good down the years. Holodosh were were very bad, especially when the Black Lives Matter stuff came back. Honved, as we've seen countless times, we've seen stewards bloody wear having white power tattoos at those games. Like there's a certain number of clubs, but like like Kevin says, on the whole, it is a very enjoyable experience, and it's not. And it, you know, I don't want to kind of give the impression that it isn't. 
it's just a few certain clubs who kind of rid, need to rid themselves. And I think um, the problem is that it's not really a football thing. It's a society thing. Like you can't to stop racism and uh, at football games and expect it to to disappear into the ether. It's not how it works. It's not how life works. It's it's a societal problem which needs fixing. Yeah, and it, and you say it's baffling that. You know, Friday can unveil a, an Aryan Greens flag and then go on to celebrate Somalia. Uh, it, 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 you know, players from Morocco, players from from all different kind of races that now play for 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 Friday and score goals for them and and you know make them jump for joy and make their whole weekends enjoyable. And yet they unfold flags like that. It's like, what, what do you want, guys? What do you want? It's just absolutely baffling. But I guess that's the mentality yeah. of people who think like that. Exactly, yeah. Racists aren't very smart people, are they, really? Because, no. yeah, you kind of have to be stupid to be a racist. <laughs> Good words, Tom. Good words. Indul Szalai, és vissza lehet tenni Kleinhezslenek, és újra Szalainak, és ott a gól helyzet, és a gól, és a gól! Szalai vezet Magyarország! 550 nap után be lehet azt piszkálni, pöckölni, tuckolni! Egy ide! És micsoda támadás volt! Um. Let's move on, guys, to um, Friday and let's get on to the footballing reasons. Um, they face Celtic again uh, in the group stage this time, and that will be in Glasgow on Tuesday with a very bizarre 3.30 p.m. kickoff. Um, Kev, firstly, why are we kicking off at 3.30? Right. Um, I, I believe the reason for this is there is uh, it's the COP26 climate change conference is taking place in Glasgow this week. Um, and we also have um, Celtic and Rangers were both drawn to play at home in Europa League games on Thursday. So both teams couldn't play at the same time in Glasgow. And apparently that's not a very safe thing to do in that part of the world. So one game had to move and Celtic drew the short straw. Okay, so I mean that's clearly had it is going to have a massive effect on um, on the attendance because it's kind of school schools chucking out time. Um, I think officially it's a little over three hundred that are going to travel from from Budapest. Um, whether that is due to the time or whether that is COVID or whatever, I'm not I'm not entirely sure of. Um, what do you think the attendance is likely to be for it, Kev? I think it'll be pretty low. Um, I don't think there'd be much more than 20,000 at this game. I know quite a few people that are taking days off work and pulling the kids out of school early so that they can get to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I think it'll be low. I think it'll be Celtics, are, it's a 60,000 seat stadium. It'll be a third full, I would imagine. It's sad, isn't it? Because, it, you know, like football european football under the lights uh, in fact football under the lights anywhere is is pretty special but to to play in a special place like celtic park um you know adam bogdan has, has already come out and said that you know he, he can't believe that he's been at a great stadium like wembley and he's going to be uh, another fantastic stadium but like i say to, to have the, the the voices that are going to be echoing around it is, is going to be pretty dreadful um but hey climate change what can you do, guys? Um, moving on to the game, um, Kev, we'll stick with you for a moment. So, obviously, it's well documented and well known what happened the last two of these guys met. Um, Friday went off to play in the Champions League um, and Celtic went off into a bit of obscurity. Um, what's different this time around? What can, Celt- what can uh, Friday expect from, from this Celtic team? Oof. This Celtic team is completely different to the one that played last season. Uh, I was actually reading an article not long before I came on where it's it's basically saying Callum McGregor will be the only player that started last August against Ferenc Varos that should start wow. tomorrow. The team's completely changed in the last what, 14 months or so since that game. Um, new manager in place, Ange Postacoglu, He's trying to 
play a quite an expansive style of football. It's very open, very attacking. His philosophy is is just to kind of it's all out attack basically. Uh, if we if Celtic found themselves four nothing up with a minute to go, he'd want them chasing the fifth. Um, likewise, if we're, if we're one nothing up with a minute to go, he wants Celtic chasing the second goal. He's not bothered so much about leaving the space at the back, which is a concern at times from a Celtic point of view. But yeah, we, we'll see. I think we'll see a very different Celtic one that will actually really try and take the game to Venezuela's this time. And one that will give them the respect that they deserve and that they didn't get last time. Mm. Tom, it's also quite an interesting season for Ferencvaros so far, um, albeit they're second in the league um, w- with a game in hand on Kishvada, um, who they have lost at home to, uh, uh, along with um, Salaegaje, quite um, unsurprising. Um, I think the jury's still out on Stoger as to, to, to what this team's doing this season. You'd think their squad would be good enough, though, Tom, to be able to compete in MB1 like wipe the floor with everyone and still um, focus on their European games. But it seems to be like he's making a lot of changes ahead of these these European fixtures. Yeah, I mean, you, you like you like you to say, like you'd expect Freud's uh, second team to, yeah, to be more than good enough to win the league. Like you, the, you take every 11, the, the 11 players out of the team that play uh, the Celtic game tomorrow night and the next 11 you would back them to win the league wouldn't you if if they if that was just the squad the next 11 and then mm. a few more subs you I, I would back them to win the league because it's it's so good you just think of the attacking players for example like Top Mac didn't even play against Betis last time out in the Europa League um, it was Azuni, Zachariasen and, and Ryan May up top. Like Frank Bolly's not in the Europa League squad. Ahmed Besic isn't in the Europa League squad. Marco Marin's not in the Europa League squad. Like these, these are well all internationals with their with their team. Like good internationals as well. I'm talking Ivory Coast, Bosnia and and Germany. I know Marco Marin doesn't play for Germany anymore, but he did do in the past. Um, then you look at kind of the the options in defence, uh, even even in goal, like with Adam Bogdan, second choice keeper, who's third, Hungary's third choice. Like it's it's just a team that's in an embarrassment of riches. So yeah, they they should be they should be beating ZT. Like I don't think there's any excuse to be to losing that game against ZT at the weekend. Sure, you might have an eye on on the game on Tuesday night, but you are more than good enough to to win that game. It is interesting, isn't it? Like you you say on the Sturger, like. The jury is out a little bit. They have performed very well in in Europe. Um, we're, we're a little bit unlucky not to to make it through to the Champions League. I mean, uh, they maybe should have done because in that first game they were one nil up um, and had a penalty and were a man up and then ended up losing that game three two, which is kind of not unforgivable. But it's, if you wanted to be getting to the Champions League, you've got to be winning that game really, uh, and then. You, that was against young boys. We've seen how good young boys have been in the in the Champions League so far, beating Man United. Um, and in the two Europa League games so far, they've been decent as well. Like I know they've lost both games, but ran both Leverkusen and Betis really close, were level for large periods of that game. Um, and it, it it it's a different Prodi as well at the moment. Like when. Under Rebrov, they kind of played a lot of bunker football, like bunker footsie, like just sat men behind the ball and and yeah, kind of hope for the best. That was what we kind of saw at Celtic Park last last year. Um, I know Celtic fans weren't particularly impressed by how they performed that day, but Dennis the Bush made some vital and heroic saves in that game, and Froddy kind of just sat behind the ball for the whole game and then won it on a counter attack. Whereas what we've seen in Europe so far from them is a little bit more of an open style, and I guess that's maybe what Sturgeon wants from his side to 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 yeah be a bit more attacking, to be a bit more open. I guess it does leave you a little bit vul- more run- vulnerable in defence, but um, but they've kind of gone toe to toe with Leverkusen and Betis so far. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what it's like tomorrow. It's annoying that it's obviously at three o'clock rather than 
uh yeah because well Celtic Park on a European night is what legends have made of, like legends are made of like we it's like legendary people talk about it all the time Barcelona players say it was one of the best uh, atmospheres they've ever experienced when when Celtic beat them there um so it's a shame that that we're not seeing that but um it's going to be a very interesting game I think either way yeah and it, it's funny how they're they're kind of contrasting in Europe, aren't they? They're, they're start, I mean, as bad as, as as Celtic have been, Kev, if you pardon me for saying, like they've clearly not been up to the level that they have been, but they're still in the Europa League. Um, a draw between these guys tomorrow, and that's pretty much it, done and dusted for the group. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I didn't like that comment, Gabby, about Celtic not performing so far. Sorry. <laughs> as true as it was, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was actually at the the Frodi Betis game, and I was I was very very impressed by Frodi in that game. Um, I think towards the end, Betis kind of showed their class and their ability to manage the game better, and that's that's what saw them through. But I felt the three one score flattered Betis quite a bit. I think two one would have been fine. As a result, um, and I have noticed as well as, as Tom was kind of alluding to last season uh, when Ferenc Varos went to Celtic Park, I thought they played a great game. They they managed that game perfectly just by defending and sitting in and and frustrating Celtic for the whole game more or less. And I think that this Stoger's team is, is certainly a lot more open. They're giving away a lot more space in the flanks. I think they've lost something like seven of their last eight goals have come from not being able to defend cross balls and that's a, that's an area where Celtic generally have a lot of success and the new system is down the wings. They've got uh, two young wingers, young guy um, Jota from Portugal on the left and Abada on the right, both very quick and direct players. So I think I think they could be really key for Celtic tomorrow if they go and win the game. But absolutely, this this is the one that decides third place. Um, I was I was on another podcast earlier on in, in the week and uh, sorry, last la, yeah, last week. Th- there are other podcasts, Gabby. I'm, I'm, this I'm, is I'm a revelation. Sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry to say. Uh, and, uh, and my prediction on the game is that it's one of those games that both these teams are very evenly matched. And they've both got they've both got kind of very similar strengths and weaknesses that if one scores first and early, they could run away with it. Likewise, if the other scores first and early, they could run away with it. Or we're going to have a really close game. It's such an intriguing game. The, the two styles kind of been been quite similar. Both coaches been more offensive and, and attack minded. So yeah, it's a it's a rubbish kickoff time, but I'm still looking forward to it nonetheless. And I'll. I'll find a way to finish the working day early to watch it. Right. Kev, that is where you excel in life, my friend. So I fully expect <laughs> you to be a trayer in hand um, or, or uh, you'd have to have one in each hand, wouldn't you? Is it McEwen's in one and a trayer in the yeah. other? Would that be both oh, counts? It, it would be tenants, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not a bottle of Bucky, you'll be all right, mate. That's right. That's right. It's far too <laughs> early in the week for that. <laughs> Although come six o'clock tomorrow night, it might be a different story. I was going to say you've both been on podcasts this week. Obviously, been in been in high demand with um, with people not knowing too much about Friday, other than the, the, the knocking them out of um, of Europe previously. Tom, what's been like uh, the most sort of insightful questions that you've been getting from from the ones uh, that you've been on um, with regards to Friday? What have they been sort of most wanting to know about? I think star men. Um, what style of football and, and like you say like alluding to last season how much have they changed since then and I think my answer to that is kind of they've changed quite a lot like I say they've become they've obviously got a new coach and they play a lot a lot of different football a lot different style of football so um, yeah they, oh, they obviously don't know a lot about about Ferenc Varos like I, I think when a lot of teams uh yeah, a lot of teams fans see a, a Hungarian team in in their in their group. They they probably 
a little bit happy because of Hung Hungarian clubs past in European football and it's not been great as we know. Um, but this this Friday team are very, very different. I've been trying to bang that drum to, to people. I think I fit, personally feel, and this may get disproven tomorrow, but I feel these two are very, very uh, evenly matched sides. Like you look at Frodi's team on paper, like we say, it's fantastic. And it's just full of internationals, which is kind of unheard of at Hungarian level. And um, you just go through that team, like Dennis de Bush in goal has played plenty of times for Hungary. Cibic at left back is a, is a Bosnian international. Dvali, uh, Georgian international. Uh, Andre Bocker always plays for um, for Hungary. Um Wingo, I don't think, plays for USA, but that was about it at the back. Laiduni, Tunisia, Ryan May, Sami May, both played for Morocco. Like, I'm not going to go for every single player, but almost every single player in that squad, I think, apart from Zachariasen and, and Wingo, are not like uh, internationals who play regularly. I don't think Zachariasen actually ever played for Norway, but um, I, I've been trying to bang that drum, really, that this isn't a team that Celtic should expect to roll over anymore and especially as I'm, I'm sorry Kevin in advance that uh, despite kind of Celtic's troubles um, no, because of Celtic's troubles I guess over the two last two years they're not really the same team they were under Brendan Rodgers and so I think the gap from what was once very wide maybe going back three years ago is is very very close now and and yeah I've been trying to say that you guys might might not have ever heard of Fernando Suarez before last season, or you you might have heard of them because you play football manager or you've seen read some history but once. But they are a very very good side, and um, yeah, don't be surprised if they do come and beat you at Celtic Park tomorrow. I don't think they will. I think it'd be one one, but um, I think yeah, I think it's a game that could go either way. And if any Celtic fan is going into this game thinking that they're going to roll over these guys um, after. After kind of being dumped out, but uh, well, in payback or revenge for what happened last year, I'd I'd be surprised if you did. No, I wouldn't be surprised if you beat them, but I'd just I'd be very surprised if you rolled them over three or four nil because I just don't. Yeah, I don't think many teams will do that to them. Excellent, well, Tom. That's, that, that's, that's exactly the message I've been trying to put across as well, Tom. Uh, that Ferencvaros had a very very strong team, and actually. According to Soccer Stand, Christopher Zachariasen has had one international cap this year. Oh, there we go. See, everyone. Everyone. That's that's the level that we're up against. Star-studded Friday. Love it. Kev, um, now, taking you back to when you... I don't think you would have even been born, but every Celtic fan will know about it, and that is, of course, back in 1972, the European Cup versus Wipest. Has there been much talk about that, obviously, with Hungarian opposition coming to, to Scotland? Um, not so much, no. The focus has really just been on this game and, and the game last season. And, uh, yeah, the, the, it's been the, the revenge game for Celtic. But, no, there hasn't really been, not that I've been aware of anyway, um, any of the podcasts that I've been on or listened to, there's not been much chat about the, the previous games. I think that's just down to my age. Um, probably. Probably, yeah, but, but would you even remember that game? No, I wasn't even born then. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very happy to say I wasn't. But I've, I've met various Cel um, Celtic fans, um, either in Budapest or, or wherever it be. And when you start talking and, and talk about my background with Hungarian football, they always mention Wipest. Um, and obviously that, that famous game that, that they played. Um, and I you know, just wondered these whether these guys knew that they were like Friday's biggest rivals and, and everything like that. But I'm guessing that's a pretty in-depth podcast you'd have had to go on to, to get to that stage <laughs> of the barrel. <laughs> I like Hungarian football podcast. That's the one, Tom. That's the <laughs> exactly. You don't get this in-depth talk anywhere That's else. It, ladies and gentlemen, Tom will not be joining us for any more podcasts. Um, we'll <laughs> find someone to replace him. Um, guys, before we wrap up, I've got some questions from the people on Twitter. So apologies if we're going to go back to the national team um, guys again. 
Um, shout out to David, the aspiring bear, who, uh, who's got a couple of questions. So I'll fire one at each to you. Um, Kev, you can take this first one. Is Fiola still the best left-back option for Hungary? For the time being, probably. Um, I think what we'll do with, uh, again, pronunciation time, Kedjkish played in the, um, played there against against England and played quite well, as everyone did. But I think probably yeah, Fiola at the moment is is the option, the best option. But I'm I'm I'll look to the future and go. You've got Milos Kerkes as well out at AC Milan, who seems to be doing bits and pieces for the, the Primavera team and getting a lot of good write ups. So potentially he's one to fill that role in the future. Yeah, no, good shout. We were we were watching the under twenty one game. Tom um, had it on his laptop while we were eating some absolutely awful food served up at Wembley. I must say, um, some phenomenal. We got hammered, but the the ball for that goal, uh, Tom, was just incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kirk has is yeah been. Um... Like like uh, Kevin says, like he's been seemingly superb. I've not watched. I confess that I uh, I've let the team down here, and I haven't watched too much of AC Milan's Primavera side over the past <laughs> few months. But um, I have seen him for the under twenty ones, and he does look really really good. And um, anyone any youngster to go to Milan has obviously got a lot about him, and that's hopefully where we can see yeah uh, that left wing back position, which is proven to be very difficult to. To find someone to play there, like Zoltan, I just played pretty well there uh, recently as well. Like, um, but yeah, we we want a long term um, person to be there, and if it's not maybe Callum Styles, who we keep banging on about, and Rossi did talk up saying that um, we we are considering him. Uh, Kirkus is going to be hopefully the man to to, to fill in that role soon enough. But yeah, that under twenty one performance, I don't know if. If anyone's seen the goals or anything, but uh, yeah, treat yourself on YouTube because some of them goals will make you laugh and not in a good way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not wrong at all. I suggest if you put Benny Hill music on in the background and watch the goals, that will accompany it nicely. Um, Tom, sticking with you, uh, Zoli on Twitter, Zoltan Vargo, who who asked, what was your impression of the new boy, Shaloi? Vichai, um, who joined the squad in September and October. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just to say with Vichai because he didn't really play too much. He did, he did fine. He did fine in the two. I think he came on in both games, isn't he? Um, and, and yeah, fine. But like I say, he didn't really play enough to um, to really make so much of an impression. I've been really impressed with him at Frodi, and I've been really surprised surprisingly impressed by him at Frodi because I just didn't think he was of that level and I don't think Frodi uh, hierarchy maybe did because he's barely had a had a chance to prove himself for the first team until this season until the, all the injuries came about um, so yeah hopefully we'll see more of him in the first team um, and Shalloway yeah tough really like I mean, we obviously love him on the show. We've had him on this show twice and we keep bigging him up in sport in Kansas City. We talked to Shane Tusup, who's obviously been instrumental in then Shallowy's um, rejuvenation. But yeah, I think, and also Kevin kind of said earlier in the show, like he, he yeah, hasn't been able to just, didn't look at home, uh, I guess, on the international stage like he does at the, on domestic level. And I think it's just a difference in terms of quality, isn't it? Like, even someone like Albania, and like I keep saying, and like Benson said on the last show, like we do underestimate Albania, and they're a very good side with a lot of players in, in top leagues around Europe. Uh, and the level, to be completely honest, is just not there in the MLS. Like it's not, it's not a top league yet. It might may well be very very soon, but it isn't yet. And like 
it has very, very good strikers in that league. But defensively, the players aren't very good. Like, usually the salary cap is spent on, on the forward players, the exciting players, the players who are going to get the fans through the door. Um, so defences aren't very good in MLS. And it is maybe like the 10th or 12th best league in the world, maybe, maybe even lower than that. Um, and so for him to do it on on the uh, on on MLS stage and be so impressive on there doesn't mean it's going to translate to to the international. And it hasn't yet. It's very early to say that, or it's very early to write him off. I'm not going to do that. But it didn't really work for Nikolic when he played for the for the national team when he was scoring all those goals at Chicago Fire. Yeah, sure, maybe Nikolic didn't get enough chances from from the Burn Stalk, and that's completely fair as well. But um, I think, yeah, we just need to give Shallowy a bit of time to bed himself in before we can kind of jump to any conclusions. But um, from what we saw so far, it hasn't been great, but maybe we shouldn't expect it to be great straight away. And hopefully, and the problem is we want it to be great straight away because Zola is coming to the end and he's he's got an injury at the moment. And we want someone to come out and replace him and we want him to hit the ground running and we won't go, yes, this is going to be our next centre forward for the next few years. But... Um, it hasn't happened yet. Andros Nemeth is a good person who we need to keep an eye on for the under-21s. He was awesome against Poland, scored two goals. Um, he has picked up a knock and he's maybe someone, someone that might be able to carry the loads going forward up top. But he's only 18, so um, something to, to keep an eye on. But yeah, hopefully next time comes around and Shadow, he gets a couple of chances, he'll put them away. Um, because we all know he's got talent. It's just it's just replicating that domestic form on the international stage. Mm, absolutely. Um, and Zoli's next question, um, which I'll feel to you, Kev. Now, just like this podcast and COVID, the only other thing that will not go away is um, where is Atala, Attila Zalai going to play next season? Uh, every single other day. There's one team mentioned, Atletico Madrid or wherever it be, teams in England. Um, it seems pretty likely that he won't stay at Fenerbahce as, as, as much as he loves it there and is loved there. Um, he's turning into an absolute beast of a defender. Um, his question is, Kev, where, where is he most likely to end up? What's your feelings on that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a player that could have his pecker clubs probably, over this, this summer. Um, I'd probably like to see him move to Germany. Um, I've just got a, a thing, I think, about German football. <laughs> I, I love the league, I love the, the, the teams and the style of play, and I think when you see how well Willy Orban does in the German league, I think if you could get Salah in there as well, uh, up against some of the top strikers in Europe, playing against a, a Lewandowski and a Haaland, and the movement of the forwards in Germany. I think that would be a league that could really test him to his full capabilities. So I think that's where I'd like to see him go. That's a good chat. What about you, Tom? Um, I've heard the Atletico Madrid be mentioned, uh, which would be really cool. Um, I think anywhere with a defensive-minded coach, like a, def- uh, a coach who knows how to defend is where I'd Kind of like him to go to, to be honest. Um, we've seen like Arsenal be linked to him in the past, and I wouldn't want him to go there personally because, well, we kind of see what happened to Ben White immediately. I mean, it's maybe a bit too early to judge what how Ben White's playing, but he has, yeah, not felt at home at Arsenal since we've been there. And I just think that if he goes to a team with a manager who doesn't know how to defend, then he may just get shown up a little bit. I think. I always want Hungarian players to just go and play for a good manager, and that's there's plenty of them about. Don't go to Man United under Ali Solskjaer. Um, don't go to play for Neil Lennon if he's knocking them out. Probably isn't is he? He's probably on five live. Um, but yeah, basically choose a good manager. That's that's all I, I would say. Because if you want to develop, that's the best way to do it. You don't want to go and play for Ali Solskjaer. Not that he's going to go to Man United, but it's probably a good signing for him. Well, do you think Solskjaer will still be there at the end of the season, Tom, is, is the main thing? Well, he might not be there in three games' time, but look at Harry Maguire, Jesus. He's better than Maguire, isn't he? <laughs> well, uh, looking at him defending that um, 
that far post the other day. That, <laughs> that's that's so around. I think I would do a better job. I mean, that pretty much looks like me standing at a bus stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watching the buses go by. Oh, Just watching them go by, and then I've missed it. Yeah, typical. I did that on the, the night of the Euro 2020 final. I had to walk all the way home, and it was raining. Pathetic <laughs> fallacy for anyone who can remember that from GCSE. <laughs> brilliant. Guys, thank you so much for your input today. Kev, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Now, um, we're definitely going to get you back during the winter break, and we'll discuss everything Hungarian second division. And if that isn't niche, I don't know what is. Um, Kev, bit of pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure's been all mine. Thank you. And Tom, been great. Um, guys, we keep threatening to do this um, football and politics and, and everything like that. And, and, and now it seems that Tom has pretty much upset every single person out there. We can probably get away with doing it now. Um, so we'll, we'll be back very soon with um, with uh, the issues on on the Carpathian Brigade and Hungary and, and politics and, and all of that. So stay tuned, guys. God, do we have to end on such a dull note? Um, let's bring it back up, guys. We drew 1-1 with England at Wembley. What more do you want from that? Haida Majorasag. Good night, everybody. Take care. Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast. <laughs>